Full Scope, Human Longevity and Performance Podcast. We want you to become the most exceptional, high-performing version of yourself. And to facilitate this, we are giving away the Longevity Fundamentals Handbook absolutely free. This is a tremendous resource that will tell you the lifestyle behaviors and mindset that will lead to the best outcomes and longevity. To get this, go to our website, wondermedicine.com or fullscope.org, put in your email, and we will send you this amazing resource, the Longevity Fundamentals Handbook. Basic idea is we will all give a quick intro about about the podcast and you and why you're on the show and and then we'll just dive in to 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 the interview and mostly just be me asking you about your career and how you got into into direct primary care and medicine in general and so a variety of things but yeah just really want to hear your story sounds good okay cool all right let's let me kick us off here so welcome to Sycamore's Branch Out Podcast. This is Larson Hicks. I'm the CEO of Sycamore. And excited this morning, we, or this afternoon, whatever time it is you're listening to this, we've got Dr. Bill Brandenburg on the show with us. He is a hospitalist by training, but also has his own practice. And, uh, and we're going to learn all about that here. But thanks for jumping on the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Good to be here. Yeah. Were you on, did you attend the Hint Healthcare Summit like a year or two ago, the virtual? I didn't, but I've heard a lot about Hint and that okay. seems like a cool, cool deal. Okay. For some reason you you looked familiar to me and I thought maybe that's where I saw you, but uh, yeah, Hint is cool. Hint is very cool. So you have a direct primary care, correct? I do. I have a direct primary care clinic in Boise, Idaho called Wander Medicine. Awesome. And I also work as a full-time rural hospitalist for several different critical access hospitals across the Midwest and West. Awesome. And so I work a lot these days, I'll say. Yeah, <laughs> that's great, man. Okay, so I would love, I really want to hear about your practice. I want to hear about how you got into it. And I actually have a good friend who's got a direct primary care in in Moscow, Idaho. So I, cool. yeah, I'm a big fan of that model. But maybe we could just start by you, your training was in family medicine. Is that right? Yeah, I'm a family medicine trained physician. Mm-hmm. I attended a residency with a focus on rural health. Okay. And really the goal of that residency was to train doctors to be the sole providers in smaller towns and smaller areas. Right. And so I really learned a very broad scope of care. And I gravitated naturally toward a lot of procedures right. and toward a lot of critical care as part of that. Right. But I've also maintained a pretty serious interest in just wellness and general health. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of part of the reason I think I have two careers right now is I like to do hospital-type medicine with really sick people. Right. But I also like to keep people well and functioning optimally and things like that. And basically, I left my training with with a pretty broad skill set. I can do things like upper GI, upper endoscopies and colonoscopies. Yeah. intubations, ventilator management, all the little office procedures that you can think about, really any skin or dermal procedure I can do. And so I just, I'm just, I guess the best way to describe myself is I think I'm like doctors were like 50 or a hundred years ago when they <laughs> could awesome. just do a lot of different stuff. Yeah, no, that's awesome. That's, that's something that seems like it's been lost in medicine as it seems things get more and more specialized is when you thought of getting into medicine in the first place is this kind of what you envisioned you'd be doing i always knew that i wanted to be a doctor that could take care of most all people yeah i didn't want to do just women or just kids just old people or whatever i wanted to be somebody who could see anybody who comes through my door and so specialties like family medicine Emergency medicine, those are the things that I gravitated to throughout medical school and and all my training, and I ended up settling on rural family medicine. That's awesome. If you don't mind, I'm, so you talked a little bit about why you or what you gravitated towards. What was the draw just from the very beginning in general just to medicine? Why did you decide to pursue medicine? 
I love science. I love life and all living organisms and creatures. Yeah. I thought I might do research, like bench research or field research in biology or biochemistry. I did that for about a year, and and I got really lonely. I missed people. I did a lot of bench research. Yeah. And I realized I needed something in science, but something that also put me around more people. Hmm. And so medicine just seemed like a good fit for that reason. Yeah. It also had a good kind of helping people out type of feeling. And so yeah. just fit for a lot of reasons for me. And I ended up getting into medical school and this is my life now. That's awesome. What a, I feel like I feel like the purpose of medicine or the pur- purpose of being a physician, uh, that's an interesting question. And that's something I think I get pretty I'm a little surprised sometimes by the answers. When you think about what's your job, like what's the purpose of a physician, how would how do you think about that? I think that a really good physician has actually several different jobs. Hmm. They have the patients that are right in front of them yeah. that they need to help, and that's the point of care, the people that come to see you in the office or that you take care in the, of in the hospital. Right. But then on top of that patient care role, I think physicians have a a general place in the community as people to help facilitate wellness and help build communities that are focused on health Hmm. and focused on those things that really matter to people. Hmm. And I'm pretty into epidemiology, and when I do research, it gravitates towards those types of fields. And so maybe most physicians don't feel that way as much as I do, but I think there's really two roles, one of a societal role of of making a a world and a society that is – that's amenable to health, and mm-hmm. then also just taking care of the sick people in front of us and keeping the healthy patients well. That's awesome. I love that. I, and that's actually a very unique response to that question. I've asked that question to a lot of physicians, and I feel like what was unique about your the way you think about your practice and your purpose really is it seems like you've got a much more holistic view, not just of of your of the, you think you hear about holistic medicine and treating functional medicine and treating the whole person but it seems like you're taking an even broader view that you're really looking at a healthy society and, and a healthy community and it seems like a lot of that is um goes far beyond the person that's sitting in front of you it actually it, it seems like it's more about would you say it's more about education or how would you a doctor I've been reminded by a few doctors that the real meaning of the term doctor is teacher. And, uh, and so a lot of doctors view teaching as a huge component of their job. Is that kind of how you think about it? Yeah. As a doctor, you are always teaching. You're teaching Mm -hmm. your patients, you're teaching your communities. And so that's definitely true. But I think it even goes beyond that. I think it goes all the way up to implementing things in society, whether that be legislation whether that be physical real estate that's amenable to health, hmm. whether that be improving food systems. Hmm. There's just so many things. And I've heard people say things like, oh, doctors should stay in their lane. They shouldn't get involved with that kind of thing. And I laugh when I hear that statement. It just is so ridiculous because in the field of health, th- there's really no no lane that a doctor shouldn't be involved in. And when you're talking about humans, health is everything. Yeah. That's why we have statements like, you have nothing if you don't have your health because it's so true, it's totally true. And we see that all the time in medicine. Yeah. I think I applaud you and I wish that more physicians thought the way you did. I, I think that there's a cynical part of me that thinks that the establishment, the healthcare establishment really wants physicians to be specialized and so narrowly focused that they're oblivious to everything else that's going on. And disconnected and the glue so to speak that holds everything together is the corporation it is the machine and and so everyone's really dependent upon the healthcare system and the corporations that are involved there and also i think it gives every physician this get out of jail free card this kind of excuse to be able to say that's not my problem this is my lane i'm just going to stay in my lane i'm going to refer that to somebody else so i really love that i love that you're taking that view of, of your job. Cause I, th- I think it really, I think so many of the problems in healthcare can be traced back to that, that I think overly narrow view of what a physician's job is. There's a lot of blinders on a lot of physicians right now, yeah. and it's keeping a lot of us from seeing the big picture. I'm pretty yeah, worried about the health of my profession in general. Like when I look at the health of the average doctor, it's not yeah. very good. Yeah. And when I look at some of the reasons, 
I think a lot of it boils down to autonomy and really narrow focus on things. And as mm-hmm. doctors, we are the front line to this gigantic medical industry mm-hmm. that whether as doctors we like it or not, controls a lot of our behaviors. Mm-hmm. We are very much controlled by big pharma. Mm-hmm. We're very much controlled by big hospital systems and hospital administrators. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of hands that are trying to get us to do more or less their bidding, whether it be lab companies or drug companies or hospitals or whatever, or medical hardware companies. Yep. But I think that it's in this day and age with all that noise, it's really important for physicians to try to remove themselves as much as they can from all those things and just say, what is really going to be the most helpful for my patients. Yeah. What yeah. do I really need to impress upon them and what do I really need to do? And I think that's really hard and I just worry about my profession because I feel like we're so infiltrated yeah. and our thoughts are so infiltrated in a much more deep way than I think most doctors appreciate. I think you're right, unfortunately. I I hate to agree on that because I wish it wasn't the case, but I really do think we're at a moment, I think hopefully in history where where folks are starting to see that this isn't something that's going to be fixed by by just small incremental change. But it's also one of the things I think that's that is is kind of laughable is I see a lot of physicians advocating for unionizing and things like that. And to me, I look at these these any huge whether it's a corporation or it's the AMA or it's the different societies in healthcare. And it seems like inevitably those things always get infiltrated by big business, big money, big corporations, and the interest that you just spoke of. So I think that I think the best way we're going we're going to have a significant impact on this industry is by doing what you're doing, which is taking matters into your own hands and building your own practice. Yeah, I agree. And the AMA is a really good example of something that probably doesn't represent physicians very much at all anymore right? and really just represents the interests of a lot of big companies and government that control it. Exactly. Yeah, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. You So you talked about a skepticism about, I, let me ask this question, and this is one I ask a lot too. I, I'm shocked by how little skepticism I hear from physicians about, just in general, as a patient, when I go into my physician, you know, he's he or she's wearing the lab coat, the white coat. I feel like, okay, this is somebody I can trust. And I go in and start asking questions. And more often than not, I feel like my doctor doesn't seem to have questioned, hasn't seemed to have wrestled with some of the questions that I'm wrestling with, whether it's what's the downside of long-term use of statins, for instance, because that's a common one or right. There's just so many different aspects of medicine where it's like, it's presented as a, a, it feel, and, and this is a long question, but, but one of the things that coming from a business background, having been involved in marketing, I know good marketing when I see it. And when I hear a physician regurgitating this like line of uh, these kind of slogans about a drug or about a disease, I can't help but start to feel like I, I can't help but like my ears pick up on this is marketing and this guy's bought it and he's trying to sell it to me. Do you feel like physicians are skeptical are as skeptical as they need to be these days? I agree with you. I think that really top-notch physicians and really top-notch scientists and really they should be very similar question everything. They question every piece of information they get. They look for the root source of things, and they don't take anything at face value. Mm -hmm. Whether it be that statins should be in the drinking water, everyone should get a new vaccine. And granted, I have recommended go to vaccine. I've recommended statins to people. But there is no – treatments are simply indicated. They're neither safe nor unsafe. The benefits just need to outweigh the risks for you to use them, and you have to have a good plan. And it has gotten way too hard to question things in medicine. It's like you bring up certain things, and people act like you're on the other side of the fence and not one of them. Mm -hmm. And it's really stifling our ability to learn new things Mm -hmm. and come up with the best ways to do things. And so I've been really sad, particularly around COVID, with just the attacking of anyone who doesn't 
kind of stay within party lines. Totally. I think we need more open minds right now. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think we do need some consistency so that our profession does offer something somewhat consistent. But we sure. always need to be challenging that. And we need to op- like we need to welcome challenges to that with open arms because the practice of medicine changes. You totally. wait 10 years and the things we were all doing are now things we're not doing. And right. the things we thought were safe turn out not to be safe. Right. And so you always have to have an open mind. Mm-hmm. And whatever profession you're talking about, I think that's just a good way to think about things. Mm-hmm. Are we building buildings the best possible way we should? Right. Probably not. Right. We probably should be building them better. Right. And I, I think that I've heard big business, tech, engineering giants, like people like Elon Musk say things like, you should always look at every situation as if you're wrong and mm-hmm. your goal is to be less wrong. Mm-hmm. So you're always wrong. But you're always trying to get better so that you are less wrong. And I think when you look at your actions in that way, you're constantly critical and you're constantly improving. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And I think that I think the thing that that we maybe we lay people don't appreciate enough is just how incredibly complex our bodies are. And also you add to that you were talking about epidemiology and public health and things like that. And you add a layer of the complexity, the additional zillions of factors that come into play there. And you're just talking about things that are wildly complex and the amount of audacity, I think, or arrogance to think that that we could come up with simple one size fits all solutions is, I think, should be viewed as laughable. And I think it was at a certain time. It's just has become, as you said, it's become polarized and politicized and tribal and and all of those things are very feel to me to be very anti-science they truly are and questioning everything should be the fundamental principle of any science Mm. and technology based endeavor i think the reason why you have the freedom to talk the way you do and there's probably doctors listening going this guy can't isn't allowed to stun that guy. No, he's not allowed to speak that way. He's a physician. <laughs> I think the reason why, if I may presume, is that you have your own practice and you you operate as a autonomous physician who doesn't have all of their eggs, all of your eggs in one basket, and have the ability to to make your own decisions and and stand by them and not necessarily be worried about being canceled by your corporation or whoever it is, would you say that's, that plays a part in your ability to be as bold as you've been so far on this interview? I think that definitely helps. What I would say more so than that is that life is very short Mm -hmm. and any medical doctor or health person knows that they see it all the time. Mm -hmm. What I see in healthcare in the world right now is not good. Mm-hmm. It's not sustainable. It's not the world that I want to be living in, that I want future generations to be living in. Yeah. And so I'm willing to speak openly and honestly about everything because life's too short. I could be dead tomorrow and then my viewpoints won't get out there and it'll all be for loss. Yeah, for sure. And so I just don't have time to beat around the bush. I don't have time to dance around issues. Yeah. I'm going to tell you exactly what I think. And exactly how I feel because I'm trying to build something bigger and better. Mm-hmm. And those are my goals. That's my purpose. That's what drives me. Yeah. When you say my openness, I don't even realize I'm doing it. This is just <laughs> who I am and what I'm doing and what I'm building. Yeah. And I want other people to get on board and start speaking up too. And I'd love to be an example for yeah. a better healthcare, a better world. Yes. That's awesome. Hats off to you. And I'm really thrilled to be talking to you because I think that you've got a perspective that definitely jives with me and I think with our company and how we view things we're really trying to be a part of in one small way unplugging physicians from the matrix so to speak and giving them the ability and the autonomy to do what they want to do so could you tell us about you've been since you graduated residency got into hospital medicine rural hospital medicine how long into that was it before you thought you decided to branch out and start a wander medicine almost right away okay Basically, after residency, I bought a building, okay, and I started turning a regular office building into a medical clinic. Cool. And I did. I was a general contractor on it, so I did a lot of the work myself. Hired a lot out, and that took about seven months to okay. to flip the building into a medical clinic. And so I was doing the hospital work during that time, 
And then as soon as we got our certificate of occupancy from the city, mm-hmm. we opened up our clinic. And actually, that's not totally true. We were going to open in, in March of 2020, and COVID was really descending on everybody at that time. Right, right. And so my wife, who's a registered nurse who started the clinic with me, we both decided let's go stay working in the hospital and kind of go where we're needed the most since clinics are yeah. essentially not even being utilized right now. Right. And then about six weeks into that, we're like, okay, this pandemic is not going anywhere. <laughs> we're either going to open up our clinic or yeah. it's just never going to open. So the, in May of 2020, we decided to open up. But really, I graduated in July of 2019 and then opened the clinic in May of 2020. So not much time in between. How did you hear about direct primary care? Like, how did you learn about that model? Because I don't think it's, I don't think everybody's familiar. And maybe before you answer that question, could you... For those who are listening who aren't super familiar with the direct primary care thing, could you describe what it is? It's hard to describe because people people have different ways of looking at what it exactly is. But I yeah. think in simple terms, it's when patients or businesses pay you directly for your services as a doctor for mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. And it's very similar to concierge medicine, but I think the connotation is that it's more affordable and approachable to people in general. Yeah. Whereas concierge usually like this is for the very wealthy. Yeah, right. This is for people with a lot of money. I think direct primary care just tries to frame that as no, this is not. This is affordable. This is even more affordable than medical insurance in a lot of instances. Totally. And and that's really what it is. Just a direct relationship between a patient and a provider where the patient or the patient's representative or company pay you instead of via a third party insurance company or something. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. You're removing you're removing several layers of sort of interference in your medical care. It seems to me that you're cutting out the insurance companies and you're also cutting out the corporations that are employing the physicians that are that are that are treating you. So at least those two. And then you talked earlier about all the different influences, the pharmaceutical companies and the device manufacturers, et cetera. The thing that that a friend of mine told me about his direct primary care was the way he described it was our practice doesn't make any money on any of your medical decisions. We don't get paid for any medical decisions. We get paid to be your doctor. Your, your choice to, to be a part of my practice is what you pay for and the care that I provide. But whether you go get a test or whether you we order a lab or whatever, get a prescription, I as a physician and the direct primary care model don't don't profit off of that in any way. Yeah, I think the incentives always have to align with the goals. And that's one of the biggest problems with the United States medical system is that we get paid to do a bunch of stuff and to work up people more aggressively and put them on more medications and do more procedures. And that's not always in the patient's best interest. And in a direct primary care system, it's like a mini capitated model Mm -hmm. where you get paid the same amount whether someone has to see you 20 times in a year or two times in a year. Yeah. And so really you just have a better incentive to keep people well. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's a good thing a lot of times. The other thing about it to me, I think you're t- that's totally right. And I don't think most people think about that. Don't even think about the incentives that are involved in something as simple as going and seeing their doctor. But the other thing about it is you're, it seems like you're also incentivized in, as a direct primary care physician to, to take care of your patient as quickly and efficiently as you possibly can. It's actually in your best interest and theirs versus in a traditional insurance model, you've got to come into the office. You can't get paid unless you, your patients come in. And uh, and then you've got to, if you can run a bunch of labs, do other things or other ways to run up the tab. But that's not really how you're set up. Yeah. And I think I take, so some direct primary care practices, they basically give everyone their labs and their medicines at their cost. And yeah. I did that at first. Yeah. And honestly, that was pretty tough because you do have some people who really use a lot of health care. Yeah. And so we made the decision to to mark up a little bit on those things yeah. because it's just a way to get a little bit back when you do have those patients that require a ton of stuff. Sure. And so there's different ways to look at that and do that. And I think in a, in a lot of people would say, no, direct primary care, you do wholesale on all that stuff. And I pretty quickly on was like, I've got to charge something for this. This has taken a ton of my time to go through hundreds of different labs for this person that wants all this different stuff. Right. But still try to keep it very affordable, like a 1.2% or 1.2 markup. Yeah. As opposed to 
a three times markup on, yeah, on or ten times or twenty times yeah, totally. under insurance. No, you're, that's the beautiful thing though is you get to look at your patient panel and your business and make decisions about it that that you think make sense and are fair and honest and you get to also be transparent about it with your patients which again none of us have any transparency really when it comes to how our um, care is compensated or paid for or billed etc it's all out of our hands as patients yeah for sure when you think about the future of of your practice how are you hoping to see what are your goals for Wander Medicine? What's up, Full Scope listeners? If you are enjoying this content, if this content is bringing you value, please share it with your friends, loved ones, and everyone else. Post it online, on social media. Let your friends know. Have them subscribe. Put the word out there. That's all we really ask. And at the very least, Give us a review and rate the podcast. Thanks so much. Let's get back to the show. Wonder Medicine is a pretty unique direct care clinic in that we have providers and registered nurses. Okay. And we combine a few different things. So we have direct primary care, but we also do a lot of occupational medicine. Okay. And a lot of health screenings for workers and things like that. And then on top of that, we have an infu- infusion clinic that does medicines, oh, cool. nutraceuticals, all that kind of stuff. We do cool. a lot of travel medicine and we do a lot of adventure medicine. Hmm. I say that we're a medical clinic focused on keeping people healthy in any environment. And we're very action-oriented because when you involve registered nurses in a clinic, basically that's the action end of healthcare. Hmm. Those are the patients actually doing things to take care of sick patients and things right. like that. Right. And so I'm trying to grow a practice that can take care of the majority of people's care, combines the skill of physicians and nurses, and and is targeted toward both individuals and companies alike. And I know a lot of direct primary care is clinics are doing that yeah but a lot of them don't do all the occupational stuff and try and put together this big package under one roof for employers and so what i would like to do is get my one clinic really humming and we've come a long way in the last two years but we're not fully built out yet we've still got a lot of revenue to realize before we're full yep and so i'd like to get this one practice up and going after that i'd like to build a custom it system that that brings together all of our information technology and tracks mm-hmm. data in really in, in really good ways. Mm-hmm. And then I'd like to expand in some way or another, either through franchises for other doctors or something else. That's awesome. Definitely in step one right now, but that's yeah. a big overarching picture. I love it. And I think humans are at this point in in society where we're getting ready to jump out into the solar system. Hmm. People are traveling the world or at least they were, like crazy. Yeah. And the idea of keeping people well in unsafe environments, I think, is a is important. And I think that's going to become more important hmm. as we start to do crazy things like set up bases on the moon and Mars. And I'd like to set up a clinic that is uniquely qualified to take care of people in those challenging situations. That's awesome. I love it. You talked about, you talked about wilderness medicine as well. What's that? Is, is that kind of similar to travel medicine or... How do you how does how does one practice wilderness medicine? I feel like the fields of occupational medicine, travel medicine, aviation medicine, wilderness medicine, they're all built around the idea of keeping people safe and healthy and in unsafe places and environments. Okay. And yeah. so I think there's just a ton of overlap. It's really all under the field of preventative medicine and they're all just very similar cuz whether you're going on a three-week river trip through the Grand Canyon, or whether you're going to sub-Saharan Africa, there's a lot of overlap in what you need as far as clean water, medications for emergencies, certain immunizations, certain other things that are important. And so there's just a, I really think those fields are all very similar, and they're all of great interest to me. And so I, I at least as far as I know, I'm one of the first people to say, I want to tackle all these because I think there's a lot of overlap and I think that putting them all under one roof makes sense. Yeah, I love it. I think about, I was my I took my family to Savannah, Georgia recently and we visited an old homestead of a family that had, had 
come over in the early colonial times and they had a little museum and I was, and there was a, um, there was a part that was dedicated to this gentleman who was a, who's a physician. And I believe he was also a surveyor and they had like his kit, his medical kit. And it had all this equipment for amputations and, and all kinds of crazy stuff. But I was sitting there listening, thinking about it with my kids. Yeah. If you're going to go like settle a new place, like you definitely need a super competent physician. And also you need, and that physician probably needs to do more than just medicine. <laughs> they need to be able to do a couple of different things, which I think is really cool. And it sounds like you're you're embodying that sort of pioneer spirit as well in, in how you're approaching your practice. Yeah, for sure. And, and custom medical kits is something Wonder Medicine definitely does. Cool. And those are very, they're very much overlap between yeah. traveling abroad or going on a, an outdoor adventure trip. Yeah, that's very cool. So you're set up in, in Boise, correct? Yes, Boise, Idaho. Awesome. And, and is your practice centrally located is it is out in the suburbs where are you guys located we are on the boise bench very close to downtown and very close Sweet. to boise right next to boise state university very cool i used to so i lived in northern idaho we used oh, to nice. play yeah we used to travel down and play play rugby against boise or they'd come up and play us i also was a concert promoter in moscow and there's a dude there in in Boise who who is doing a ton. I'm sure you've heard of Tree Fort Music Festival. Been uh, to Tree Fort. <laughs> okay. So fun story. Eric stole that date from me. So I put on a con- a show, a, a festival in Moscow and Pullman. It's actually in Pullman, Washington, in 2010. On this, I'd picked this special weekend right after the Austin South by Southwest Festival because I knew. There was a ton of bands from the Northwest who had all driven down and they probably all could use like a show on the way home. Nobody in the Northwest was doing a show, doing like a festival during that time. So I did my show and and Eric the next year, midway through the year, was like, hey, are you going to do your festival again? And it just, it was a time in my life where I was way too busy and I was pretty burned out from doing it the first time. So I was like, I think I'm going to pass on it this year. He was like, cool, if you're not using those dates, I wasn't going to do a, a festival on those dates, but if you're not using them, do you mind if I use them for this tree fort thing? And I was like, yeah, man, go for it. Anyway, his thing took off, which is totally awesome and looks like a really cool festival. Yeah, it's very popular in Boise and only getting bigger. And now they have, I think they're like building like a permanent concert yeah. venue too. So yeah, it's I like, saw that. It's becoming more than just a yearly music festival for sure. Eric is an incredible dude. He and his wife both, they were in a band called Finn Riggins was the name of the band, but they were uh, Eric Gilbert. They are, he was one of the just hardest working dudes. Just your your view of of bands, like rock bands, I think a lot of times is these are just bums who just want to play music for a living and, and live off the land. And uh, Eric is like, the hardest working, most diligent, organized hustler you've ever met. And he was a good friend and helped to me over all those years when I was doing a lot of that stuff. So that's cool to hear that, that you're, that you're a part, you've been a part of that, that, that festival. Absolutely. So do you think that I know you're trying, you're trying to build your practice with the hopes of expanding and perhaps even franchising. Do you think that uh, direct primary care is something that's feasible for other physicians who, to jump into? What kind of factors play into it being successful or not successful? And is it something you recommend to other doctors? I would recommend it to doctors who really want it. Yeah. Yeah. It has been extremely challenging to start a business I thought that I could hang a shingle on the wall and offer great services at a great price with the credentials that were appropriate for that. Yeah. And that just wasn't true at all. Yeah. We had to grind for every last patient. We opened our clinic mm-hmm. and for two weeks, and granted this was during the pandemic, so it was like dead time. We didn't receive a call and no patients came into our building. Wow. And I'm sitting there with, and we started really lean, just my wife and I, and I'm still working in the hospital now. Yeah. But we were just like, oh my gosh, what have we done? And in 2020, we lost $100,000 in revenue. Wow. 
And then the next year, we get into the black, uh, finally, and we start to realize some pretty good revenue, three, 400000 Yeah. And we're on the ups from that. But it's been a grind. And so yeah. what I would say, if you want it and you're willing to work your butt off for it, yeah. you can get it. You can yeah. do it. You've got to be a people person. You've got to really put yourself out there. Yeah. You've, got to, you've got to try really hard. But it's doable. Yeah. I think there's some ways to make it easier. I think if you started out in a normal practice and then got a big patient panel over the course of five years or so and then launched a direct primary care, mm. I think that would help a lot. Yeah, for sure. Because you'd have patients that could come with you. Yeah. I think that if you had, if you decided, say, for instance, to franchise one of the other models that's already proven and has like better systems of business, mm-hmm. I think that would make things a lot easier. I think starting from scratch, mm-hmm. you make a lot of mistakes in business and you yeah. learn a lot of things the hard way. Yeah. That's why sometimes using other people's systems and yeah. buying a franchise is a really good idea if you're yeah. not looking to just grind really hard. And so I guess what I would say is if you want it, do it. But expect that just like any other business, it's going to be extremely challenging to start and get off the ground. And it's going to be much harder than you think. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good word. And I'm sure you're right. I've, I feel like I've talked to quite a few and that seems to be the standard, the standard feedback. I've, I think my friend up in Moscow is, is one of the rare exceptions to that story. And I have to think that it's because a Moscow is a really small town with a really tight knit community. And he in particular was part of a pretty big church community. And I think that sort of gave him this initial, this really easy network to tap into immediately. But I've talked to them. I think they're now up to six or seven providers. And, and he was telling me that one of the things that's become an absolute necessity as he looks at adding more providers to his practice is a willingness to to sell ultimately to get out and speak publicly do record videos interact on social media he just said that's part of the gig if you're going to if you're going to be able to make it work you've really got to have a comfort and a willingness at least to to get out there and it sounds like you've had the same experience Absolutely. I hadn't been on social media for 10 years. It yeah. was incredible. I was living a peaceful, happy life. Right. And then all of a sudden I find myself trying to become like an influencer on LinkedIn. <laughs> right. And it's not something I wanted to do, but it's just something I have to do. Yeah. I actually started a podcast called nice. Full Scope. Nice. It's it's basically medical education. You can check it out at fullscope.org or any oh, other cool. platform. But And that was something I wanted to do anyway, but I knew that if I wanted to be a doctor that was going to have people seek me out and pay me directly, I needed to be in front of them in as many different channels as possible. Totally. And going to gyms, going to church groups, going to other groups and talking to them. Totally. Having a presence on social media, putting yourself out there all the time, starting a podcast, going on other people's shows. Yep. You just have to grind so hard. Yeah. And it's just part of it. And it's stuff to do. You got to sell. I don't think, and I don't think it's such a good point. That's probably missed because I think as physicians, you're part of the system that's already been created. This whole, this whole elaborate system that, that kind of funnels patients to doctors. And especially if you were training to be a hospital based physician, it's you just show up with your credentials and the patients show up and you go to work. And so I think, I definitely think that's a, that I'm sure that's part of, that's part of practicing medicine that people totally overlook when they're jumping into a venture like this. Yeah. And it's, it's also part of consumer behavior now too. If, again, if you were just like getting patients through just normal PPO or whatever networks, it'd be one thing, but anymore consumers don't don't just show up at the store and buy something unless it's a, a, a carton of milk. It's if you're thinking about buying something, you go online, you research, you watch videos, you read reviews. You, there's so much that happens before you even pick up the phone and make a call or whatever, consider walking into the store. That's just how we've been trained in this kind of modern internet era. And it totally applies if you're trying to do something that's different and people have to make a big decision, they're going to have to be able to get comfortable with you. For sure. And ratings on Google and things like that are enormous Yeah, for probably any business, but definitely in my experience with a direct primary care clinic, that has been that makes really important to one, just take great care of people, 
get the word of mouth, but also get incentivize them to put reviews up and stuff like that because that really helps. That's awesome. Have you ever had any guests on your show? I have never had a guest on my show. I was recently interviewed, and I posted that interview on my show as the okay. last episode. But I really do it more to teach a lot of fundamental topics in medicine and health. Yeah, very cool. And I have a unique experience in that I work as a contractor hospitalist in rural hospitals. Right. And I'm also a business owner, but I'm really a community doc at heart. And most of the other podcast doctors, they are all from academia and they all have right. this very similar mindset. And, and I wanted to represent another part of healthcare and maybe the more common part of healthcare that's yeah. underrepresented in podcasting. Yeah. And so I just try to teach most of the episodes. Occasionally I do like an opinion piece where I kind of rant and I try to let listeners know, hey, this is going to be one of those rant ones and not hardcore medical knowledge. But the bread and butter is just teaching fundamental topics to both practice or learning physicians or practicing physicians or nurse practitioners or other people in healthcare or just for patients. Sometimes they want that really technical deep dive. And so they enjoy hearing it too. That's totally cool. So I'm on your page. I'm looking at the topics. It's really cool. If, if you go to fullscope.org, you've got everything from personality disorders to pregnancy, to psilocybin mushrooms, to ketamine, to vaccines. It's a lot. This is totally something I'm going to be, I'm going to be subscribing to because it, and it looks like it's pretty approachable. Some of these are are closer to an hour, but a lot of them are in the 30 minute or less range. So there's, it's, it looks like it's, you're really focused on these, on delivering. And I see that you break, it looks like when you've got a, something that, that takes more than can be done in 30 minutes, it looks like you break it into different parts. My goal is 30 minutes and I fail on that a lot. <laughs> That's all right. That's a natural thing, man. That's a natural thing. I've been there. Yeah, it's actually harder to be shorter. That's something that, that I think I heard a quote from Abraham Lincoln. Or, or I think it was Abraham Lincoln who said, if I if I need to give an hour speech, I can, I can give it. Um, I only need an hour to prepare. If I'm giving a 30-minute speech, I need a week to prepare. And if I'm giving a... 15 minute speech I need a I need a, like a month to prepare or something like that. It was basically the shorter the harder it takes a lot more editing. And that's not really the uh, that doesn't tend to be what podcasts lend themselves to. I totally agree with that quote whether it was Abraham Lincoln or <laughs> whoever it was. Else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I should I'll look that up. Find out who who actually said that. Uh, but yeah, being concise and to the point is lost in medicine a lot and very tricky. Yeah. And that a lot in patient notes when you're like, okay, why is this so long? Tell me this same information in in, in a fourth of the words. Yeah. yeah. And that's a skill and that's tough. Yeah, totally. I was going to say, I think it, one of the things that's an interesting development in medicine right now is, and we work with some of these companies, we do a lot of our doctors are doing telemedicine and we've got some partners in, that are doing AI kind of assisted telemedicine, which is pretty interesting. You'll get like on an app or something and you'll go through a bunch of questions and it is leading you as you're answering, it's leading you down these different paths, but then it's taking the responses and packaging them in a really concise, clear way for the doctor who finally gets them. Anyway, I think there's some interesting developments coming there. That's great for sort of a urgent care kind of thing. I think um, it's not great for all of the much more kinds of visits you're having that are probably a lot more complicated and you don't really know where they're going to go. I think that's awesome. I think at the end of the day, humans, we've got a lot of holes in our game. Mm -hmm. And in order to take really good care of patients and not miss things, yeah. we need machines help. And totally. that manifests itself with the cell phones that we all carry and use for various apps and things and just searches online to find information. But as technology gets better and better, we're going to see that fusion become tighter and tighter. Yeah. And we're going to see artificial intelligence start to prompt us and help us in very unique ways. And I'm very excited about that. And yeah, so totally. I think that's really cool and sounds like a novel, a novel way to synthesize information and make the doctor's job easier. Yeah. Yeah. It's, there's one of my, another one of my favorite misquoted stories that I don't even know who to attribute it to, but I heard on a podcast once about how I believe they said that is not a robot chess player, like a computer chess player 
that that yet that can beat a grandmaster, but a moderately skilled chess player assisted by a computer can smoke any grandmaster all day long. Like it's like you, you take a moderately skilled person and give them some technology and you make them incredibly powerful. And so I think that's a that's a metaphor I think for people get nervous about the the takeover of the robots or whatever and I don't think it's going to work that way. I think it's going to I think I don't think robots are ever going to be able to do what we do, but we can do a whole lot more assisted by them. I think that if you're not using technology to its fullest, you will yeah. be left behind. Yeah. I disagree, though, and I think that there is a risk with artificial intelligence, and we do have to be thoughtful about it. And But at the end of the day, humans are also a giant risk to ourselves as well. So there's just risks yeah. everywhere. That's true. <laughs> but yeah, that's, true. that's so true. You've got to, if you're not adopt, if you're not embracing technology, you're not going to be very useful, I think, in the next hundred years. Yeah. This has been a ton of fun, sir. I know we've meandered all over the place, but is there anything about just your practice? We didn't really dive much into rural medicine, uh, but I know that's something that's really important to you as well. I also got to say, it looks like you got a you have a background in liberal arts, which I think is super cool. I think liberal arts doesn't get a lot of love, but it's a great, I think it's a great foundation, a great starting point for education, starting with a really broad education and jumping from there to wherever you want. But in, any other topics or things we didn't cover that you were hoping we'd, we'd get to today? I think that was pretty good. I think if I was going to leave listeners and doctors with some idea or quote yeah. that I feel like I've been thinking a lot about lately, it would be to stop worrying entirely about being sued by patients. Mm. Don't worry about that at all. Focus all of your attention hmm. on taking the absolute best care of patients that you can and caring about them as much as you can and showing them that you care about them as much as you can. Hmm. And I think the chances of you being sued will go way down and the chances of you taking really good care of people will go way up. And that may be just because I'm hmm. a young, naive physician that's heading for trouble but I truly believe that, and it's worked out well for me in residency and my post-residency career. That's great. That's great. I think, uh, I think that's awesome. That's awesome advice, and I think it's it's the time we live in right now, and the healthcare system we're operating in is how revolutionary, really simple, basic truth, <laughs> like the truth you just shared, it has become. The idea that you should just do your best to take really awesome care of your patients, and that's gonna that's the best thing you could do. That's it's unfortunate that that statement is as uh, profound and revolutionary as it actually is at this moment. But yeah, yeah, that's where we are. But well, no, Larson, this was awesome. Thanks so much for having me. I never, I didn't know what to expect, but this was a lot of fun, and I looking forward to checking you guys out. Yeah. I jumped on your website too, Sycamore, and I I think it's really cool. Like the flat fee. I, Locums in, in hospital staffing has been another thing that's really pissed me off. And so yeah, I'm happy totally. to see other companies doing it a different way. Yeah, we're doing our best, man. It's a crazy world out there. We actually work with, we've been working with the company you're working with for the last last couple of months, actually. We've been heavily involved over with your group, but we're- Because everyone's desperate. Yeah, everyone's <laughs> desperate. That's the fun thing is like, we've had this revolutionary idea that we're just going to be transparent and about our fee structure and and we've also had this revolutionary idea that we're just going to try to grow a profitable business and not try to have explosive growth and we're not going to care about being acquired which is what most companies are obsessed with especially in healthcare and it's taken us longer time to to build in the same way that you were talking about it's taken us a longer time with those kinds of values and principles to grow but we're but your reputation when you don't compromise and you just do awesome work and you're fair and transparent and honest with people, word gets out. And and so we're experiencing some incredible growth at this very moment. And and I think it's mostly about the fact that we've just we've just stayed in the game and tried to keep doing keep living out our principles and and doing an excellent job. Yeah, it's fun. That's awesome. People need purposes and really to be as good as they can be, companies need purposes too. And it's cool yeah. to see a purpose-driven company in healthcare 
Because like you said, most are profit-driven. Yeah. (laughs) They want to be acquired. (laughs) Yeah, totally. It's been a a ton of fun. I look forward to staying in touch. We'll definitely check out full fullscope.org is where your podcast and just your general blog and website for you personally. And then where do people find out about your medical practice? If you go to wandermedicine.com, and cool. you can smell that, spell that with both an A or an O, so wander or wonder. Smart. You will find our medical clinic. Sweet. Sweet, man. If you, end up, if you end up wanting to go to any shows, let me know. I've got some connections out there. Yeah, Boise. that sounds good. I, I think I could be interested, so thank yeah. you. And you should, if you ever have the time, I'd love for you to go visit my friend up in Moscow and just check out his practice. They've What's it called? It's called Story Family Medicine type it in he was a hospitalist as well he actually got fired he actually resigned from his hospital when they started doing some procedures that he just didn't agree with and and he really didn't have a plan for what he was going to do next he's been on our podcast a couple of times because he's just a he's a really unique guy he does locum tenens on the hospital side and also the er and and then he started this practice and they're going gangbusters and i have a bunch of friends who are patients of his and so i've talked to a bunch of my friends about their experience um and they're all just delighted by the experience and yeah i'm I'm hoping i'm here in huntsville alabama one of my one of my bucket list things is to try to see if we can get a dpc going here and if there's any way i can help with that i would love to do that so anyway i think it's great Yeah, no, that sounds awesome. I'll definitely check them out and look forward to talking with you again in the future. And thanks again, Larson. Yeah, thanks, Dr. Brandenburg. All right, we'll talk to you later. Sounds good. Thanks again. All right, I'm going to hit this leave button. If you keep your your browser open, it's going to finish. It's been taking, as I understand it, a high-def version of your video, and it'll upload it. If it's not, like mine looks like it's almost done uploading, but just... Hit the like leave call, but just keep the browser open for until it says it's 100% uploaded. Is that leave studio? I think what you want to do, I've, I'm going to hit, let's see, I'm going to hit. a red button that says leave studio in the right. Thank you so much for listening to the Full Scope Podcast and investing in your health. I'm Dr. Bill Randenberg. If you're enjoying the content, please rate, review, and share this content with all of your friends online and all your social media platforms. Please understand that this podcast is not intended to treat, diagnose, or cure your specific medical condition. This podcast does not create any type of doctor-patient relationship between myself, Dr. Brandenburg, and you, the listener. If you do need help with your life, with your health, with anything regarding your longevity or performance, please check out wondermedicine.com. Our longevity and performance program is the best in the world and is ready to help you right now, today, become the best possible individual you can be. Thanks. Bye-bye.